Oh, good there, and welcome to the rewrap for Monday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I and Glenn ZB, and this morning uh, saying no to Winston. It's hard, but sometimes it has to be done. Uh, more lazy news uh, to lament. Uh, we introduce a new segment hot on the heels of the gavel of indecision and the pause of inner turmoil. Uh, and we'll finish up with an answer to food waste. But before any of that, remembering Mike Moore. I think, think about it yesterday, sad day, of course, with Mike Moore. I think on balance, Mike Moore, you know what? He was my favourite politician of them all. I, I had a not unreasonable amount to do with him, actually. Last time we talked at length was in the TBNZ Green Room uh, for a programme I was hosting that, in, in all honesty, I thought about it yesterday. I couldn't remember the name of it for love nor money, but it was one of those forays into half-hour interview shows at a time when interview shows on television were going out of fashion. But the good thing was it solved one of the great Mike Moore dilemmas you faced as a broadcaster. It gave him time to talk and the interviewer the freedom from the panic that normally ensued in a more constrained time slot. To fill the commercial 22-minute half-hour, let me tell you how Mike Moore worked. To fill the commercial 22-minute half-hour, all you really needed to do was say, Mike Moore, good evening. So, what do you reckon then? Uh, his stories off-air were even longer and more florid, occasionally lurid. He knew everyone. He had been everywhere, remembered everything, was, and he loved filling you in on every single detail. He always struck me as a slightly uncomfortable combination of ill health and mad passion. He had, of course, several bouts of cancer, but fought back each time. And I wondered if his love of life and work and deals didn't help him, but also hinder him. And as we sat in the green room, red wine flowing, yarns being told, I'd wonder if staying up this late all the time, these hours for years on end was good for you. But then they say, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And he loved what he did. I dealt with him a bit as a local MP for what would become the WiMAC seat, WiMAC Ariri in Christchurch. When I was working in Christchurch, he introduced me to the word apparatchik, funnily enough. I was interviewing him on ZB's local morning program when he dropped it, and I didn't have a clue what it meant, never heard of it. And in an odd sort of way, that was the beauty of Mike Moore, and one of the reasons I admired him most. He left school young, as in 14, worked in the freezing works, was very blue-collar. He was the living, breathing example of how graft and dedication and passion and a positive outlook could get you places. And if you read and absorbed detail, you'd end up doing trade deals and running your country and using the word apparatchik. His wife, Yvonne, said yesterday he'd probably be our last blue-collar prime minister, which, A, is most likely true, and B, quite sad, because he had the gift so few do. He was grassroots but comfortable with presidents, at home in the most basic of pubs, happy in Washington, at the ambassador's resident. That's a gift. And the great sadness I always felt was he was he only got to lead the country for a couple of months. They stuck him in there too late. Longy and Douglas had blown at the rest of his history. I think it always sort of rankled him. Uh, he was old-school Labour, and some of the change in the party wasn't to his taste, but he did enough for us. He had the Doha round, the famed Doha. I mean, he made trade call before we even knew what the hell trade was. The Doha round, the WTO, Washington, Lamburgers, and all the while, a brilliantly nice, entertaining, erudite man who only made you nervous when you had two minutes left and he'd just started the answer. Are you um, supposed to um, tell people what happened in green rooms? I don't think you're supposed to talk about what was discussed or how people behaved. I, th- I thought that was sort of like Las Vegas, you know, what happens there stays there. I think Mike's broken a rule there. Um, I don't know how many times he shared a, a green room with Winston. A few stories to be told there as well, probably. A vote for New Zealand first is not a vote for a party that could go either way. It's a vote for Labour. Further, there are at least some who voted for New Zealand first who are inherently conservative and wanted Winston to keep National honest. And when he didn't go with National, 
they became disillusioned. New Zealand First, as we speak, sits below 5% in the threshold. This doesn't help their cause. Not only have they been damaged by association with the government, the age-old MMP curse that's seen of all who have tried the trick eventually vanish. But they now don't have any wriggle room at all. There is no playing one party off against another, which means between now and September, New Zealand First have to campaign very hard on identity. Just what is it they've delivered? Uh, Yes, they've stopped the CGT. Maybe they kept the farmers out of the ETS for now. Maybe Ihamotau is being held up because of them. But is that a platform for re-election? National, some might argue, need partners. Well, yes and no. Remember, National this entire term has been the most popular and the largest party. Uh, Given the slowing of the economy, the increasing social numbers around everything from housing to food to benefits, there is no reason to believe they can't at least hold, if not grow, their support. ACT ended last year strongly. They doubled their numbers in the last poll. They've got euthanasia into law. They have increasing credibility and momentum. A smidge more support, they could realistically be looking at three seats. Factor in the 4%, if not more, that gets written off on election night for those who don't pass the threshold, i.e. New Zealand first, and you're not splitting 100% of the vote. You're splitting 95 or less. There is a pathway there for National. Does Labour go hard out against New Zealand first and try and make it just a green Labour government, or aren't they that confident? Bridges has created real problems here for not just New Zealand First, but Labour as well. Are they mates, or has this just been one very awkward association of convenience that's about to blow wide open? And MMP has been shown up as well. The tail has wagged the dog. A 7% party abused the privilege, held us ransom, so the luxury of choice has been taken away from them. Well played, Simon Bridges. He won't regret it. Well, unless he doesn't have quite enough friends come coalition time. In which case, there might be a, a, a slight pang of regret as his political career goes down the toilet. But I'm, I'm sure that won't happen. I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, but what did all the people on the street have to say? I know. Who cares, right? Do I have to? Do we have to do it again? I thought I, I thought I addressed this last week. One of the things I don't like in life is staring at the television news and having people on the street interviewed because it achieves nothing. It goes nowhere. You're going out in a country of four and a half to five million people, finding three or four people who will say once one person says blue, one person says yellow, second person says blue, second person says yellow. Yesterday, what were they talking about? Well, he's a silly man. Who? Simon Bridges. I just think Winston's had his time in politics and maybe it's time for him to move on. I don't think National have got much of a chance with the leader they've got. I think they need to change the get a decent leader. It's a bit too hot to, you know, to think about political things. Okay, so we found a person who was too hot and a person who thought what Simon did was good and a person who thought what Simon did was bad. I remind you of what Ted Koppel says. Used to frustrate the hell out of me, Walter, when I would see people going out and doing man-in-the-street interviews, one side for, one against, and one not sure. Uh, That's not journalism. Correct. It is not journalism, and you learn nothing. Why, then, do they insist on continuing with the wastage? Yeah, great. um, Very long, in-depth story on uh, One News last night, also about it being hot. It was a hot day in the middle of summer yesterday in some places. And in fact, it was so serious they had to hand out fruit juice at an old people's home, can you believe? So, I mean, they're really on, on top of it there. Meanwhile, we are leading the way with uh, uh, important program elements in a current affairs pr- show. You know how we got a gavel of indecision? And a pause of inner turmoil? Do we have now a new category for 2020 election year? Do we have the stumble? Of ignorance. What's wrong with the Commonwealth Secretariat and why are we holding money? 
<laughs> this is not going to be exciting listening this early in the morning. I quite like that one, the stumble of ignorance. Very good. We got all the categories covered, or we think we do anyway. I'm sure we don't. I'm sure we don't have all the categories covered. It was hard enough this morning uh, coming up with a sound that sounded like a stumble. Because quite some stumbles aren't always that noisy. But yeah, the body falling down the stairs that seemed 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 to work. Uh, we're going to finish up here with the answer to food waste. All the ins and the outs. It's the biz on the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB. So, some good news for you this morning if you're um, into the battle against food waste in this country, and there's plenty of it, no shortage of food waste. We've eaten over 500 tonnes of imperfect fruit and veggies from the Countdown's Odd Bunch. If you don't know about this, Countdown started this back in 2017. So basically what they did is they took some weird-shaped, wonky-shaped marked produce, they put it on the shelves at a reduced price. You go, look at it, it's a bit weird, but it still tastes fine. Buy that for less. Uh, they've sold 15 million apples, over a million kilos of kumara, more than 6 million capsicums under the Odd Bunch. I mean, capsicums are weird-looking at the best of times, for goodness sake. It's not that like they come out perfectly. I mean, and it's not like you eat it whole. Like, you're going to chop it up anyway. Oh, I eat them whole. Good, good little capsicum, little mini capsicum. You get the little oh, mini, mini capsicum. Oh, a little mini capsicum. Oh, they're delicious. Having one of those in my Mediterranean salad. Oh, you, this morning. you're talking about your little sweeties. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about <laughs> not talking about the big bold ones. But they all come out weird anyway. Anyway, we also know what an issue food waste is. 2019 Rabobank survey found that 12% of all household food went in the rubbish. 12%. Uh, it equates to $1.17 billion of waste every year, which is what I've always said about food distribution around the world. That's your problem. The reason people are going hungry is because of corruption, militia, skullduggery. And lack of distribution, proper distribution of food around the world. The world produces all the food we need. All the food we need and then some. We just don't distribute it properly. And when we try to, half the crooks who run countries in the world um, nab it. But that's maybe for another day. You see, I consider those food waste statistics to be very high uh, per household. Um, certainly per Glensia B's household. Because I pretty much make sure there is no wasted food. It goes into me. That's where we put it. It goes, all the food that might otherwise be wasted goes into me and then is never seen again. So basically, everybody just needs to install a Glen ZB in their house. And then you'll be right. I am Glen ZB. Uh, that was the re wrap for Monday. We'll be back again tomorrow. So hungry. Hungry.